Welcome to Tea Smack, home of the Tea Smack. May I take your order? Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I am your host, Josh Scar, and joining me this week is the one, the only, the Wikipedia-filled database that is Matt. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you? I cannot complain. I am doing a podcast with one of my oldest friends, going to talk about two properties that I absolutely adore. It is going to be a good time. Oh, shucks. And we got a what you're doing coming up. So we're getting to your time to shine here. We got oh, comics, baby. what you're doings. Oh, baby. Yeah, the season of Matt is upon us. <laughs> Once again, <laughs> after August. Yeah. Talking Matt. All right. <laughs> there we go. That'll be your spinoff. You just rant about whatever you need to. So we're here to talk about uh, a comic crossover event that I absolutely adore. Uh, we're going to talk about the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover from 2019. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to hear from our friends J&K over at the Fuck My Work Life podcast. We'll be right back. Working can be such a drag, but it's a necessary evil. What better way to combat the woes of the working world than to commiserate with your fellow man? I'm Jay. And I'm Kay. And we're the hosts of Fuck My Work Life a comedy podcast where we share people's stories from the workplace. Whether they're funny, weird, scary, or just plain messed up, they're always entertaining and may leave you thinking you don't have it so bad after all. Available on all major podcast platforms. Give us a listen. Your sanity may just depend on it. It's very true. Jane K offer a wonderful slice of relief when it comes to getting some work bullshit off your chest or just hearing them get that off their chest and you're like yes me too work who needs it i wish not me <laughs> so close to winning that 1.73 billion but not really i won four dollars that night someday I mean, you know <laughs> yeah, what? every penny exactly so matt we're here to talk about some one of our favorite things which is comic books but more specifically we are here to talk about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 2019. Uh, Ryan Parrott is the writer. Simone DeMio is the illustrator. Colors by Walter Biamonte with color assistance by Igor Monti and letters by Ed Dukeshire. Uh, there are variant covers and a bunch of other things, which if you're a fan of either of these franchises, IPs, whatever you want to call them, every cover of the Power Rangers comic, let alone this one with the TMNT it's just worth every penny, I would say. It's just so good. I have a lot of these variants, and I'm not embarrassed to say it. <laughs> Most of these covers, I think, were also written by Dan or uh, drawn by Dan Mora, who is just a fantastic artist. Yeah, he's great. And you know, um, one of the things I've written down here, I you know, in previous episodes, I've done little breakdowns of you know context and historical, you know, where they are in that moment in time. And part of that is I don't really have that here just because like, you know, I was reading comics around 2011 and I was aware of what was going on with Flashpoint. I read Spider-Verse at the time and both of those, I think, um, in their own right, were like very 
it's going to sound bad to say it, significant. Not to say that this book is not, but they're like, you know, Spider-Verse is a cultural moment. Flashpoint was a huge shift in um, DC Comics. So like I don't have as much written down, but I've got a couple things here that I'll break us down with real quick. Like, you know, I worked on the thing you mentioned about, you know, came out in 2019, five-issue miniseries starting in December, running through June 2020, co-published by Boom Studios and IDW. Boom Studios is the Power Ranger side, IDW is the NT side. And, you know, you mentioned the creative breakdown, all that stuff. It's part of, you know, both of, both of those, the miniseries is part of a sort of larger expansion into Power Rangers comics as like a, a brand, a universe by Boom Studios, which started back in uh, 2016 with a Mighty Morphin Power Rangers title that focused on the classic team, which is the team we have represented here, the one that you know from the old TV show, the original TV show, and since expanded into a larger line with like lots of spinoffs and various like line-wide crossovers that brought in all kinds of other rangers from other shows and idw has been publishing a reboot of the tmnt comics since consistently since 2011 it's over 100 issues now um this will be followed up in december of last year 2022 with a mini series called mighty with power rangers teenage mutant ninja turtles 2 which was by ryan parrot and illustrated by dan mora who as you said is great he does a lot of the covers here the standard covers as you informed me right before we started recording, this is not the first time these properties have crossed over. Way back in 1998, there, uh, Power Rangers in Space um, aired a crossover that was between that show and TMNT, The Next Mutation, which was a live-action nightmare horror show of a uh, kid's <laughs> show. Um, it was the fourth episode of that season, Shell Shocked. The Power Rangers wiki listed as season six, which I believe just means that it is the sixth season of like every season of Power Rangers overall combined. But I think Power Rangers in Space was one of those like, I think after, at a certain point, they all become one season shows. Yeah, and um, they just continue the Power Ranger line in their own way. Because yeah, like... Mighty Morphin ran for two seasons, but that was still like almost 100 episodes, respectively, yeah. between Kid, the two seasons. Yeah, kids TV is really weird, too, like that. And then like seasons, season two, I think was Z or season three was Zio. Then I did I think they did four seasons of um, Turbo. That, that was the one where they had the movie where so. the worst Power Ranger ever, Rocky, loses <laughs> his spot on the team to a child, a literal child. <laughs> and then I think once Turbo wrapped up, they moved on into power rangers in space yeah yeah i think that might have been the first time you know it, it's maybe notable because part of it is those first several iterations are in some way or another the same sort of lineage right where it's like yeah to at least tommy and a couple of other like at least second generation rangers carry over and i think billy sticks around through turbo as well yeah and um, he just like, moves on into a mentorship kind of role yeah and if nothing else like even if you know whatever the main cast looks like it's not obviously all the same people, but like people cycle in staggered in a staggered kind of way, right? Where eventually the main cast looks nothing like the original cast, but it's like some of those guys came in the second wave and then the third wave and then the fourth wave. So it's yeah, all like, the, you could you could draw you could draw a family tree back to the original roster. Yeah, exactly. And then I think in space was maybe the first time that it was like this is like a basically a heart reboot where it's an entirely new cast, an entirely new scenario, and like nobody mentions the word Zordon or whatever maybe they do i, I think zordon no was still a thing i think zordon was still around in in space okay because i i know there's a whole i i stopped watching power rangers at some point through zeo i just 
I didn't care for the the designs of like the Zords and stuff. But I, I know there's like a Zordon saga or a Zordon era where at one point Zordon sacrifices himself and dies. And then like there's the post Zordon era. Sure. So I think in space continues with Zordon and kind of like a he he exists as a a being in the morphing grid. So he can exist in all space and time at, at any gotcha. given point. Yeah. And that exposes maybe some of my um, another reason that I just don't have a ton of you know, a lot of the knowledge I was pulling from from the other two episodes we've done were like things I already kind of knew and just kind of like bulked up on with a little research. But I'll admit, you know, as a kid, I, I watched a lot of Power Rangers. It was huge. Every kid at that age was watching it. I was really into the Ninja Turtles as a kid. They're, these are not necessarily franchises that I have like kept up with, right? I've not followed them. So like In Space was like well after my time that mm-hmm. I was watching it consistently. So it's like, who knows what? what Zordon's up to. Not me, not this guy, you know? <laughs> yeah. Same. I, I fell off of Ninja Turtles faster than I think I fell off of Power Rangers. I, I have a very vivid memory of, I went to my, uh, my childhood doctor who weirdly enough was named Dr. Fang, <laughs> which like, that's not a name you want for your doctor, <laughs> but he always had a TV running in his waiting room. That was usually running like CBS or some kind of like kids programming and uh, on this particular afternoon, when I was at the doctor's office for a, some kind of checkup, they were playing Ninja Turtles. It was like, oh, man, I haven't seen Ninja Turtles in forever. I didn't know it was still running. And then like Leonardo was some weird mutant werewolf turtle. I don't really know. Like he, he it was kind of like a Hulk sort of situation where he would transform and he wouldn't really have control. And he would just be like this rabid animal and just run amok everywhere. And I was like, I don't like this. So thank yeah. goodness I dropped off. This yeah. just got really weird. I was a huge Ninja Turtles fan as I, you know, I had like bed sheets. I had toys. My mom took oh, me yeah. to a thing. It was well before we, it was like when I was just a very small child, it took me to like a photo op for my birthday with like someone in a Ninja Turtles like suit. And I was very excited because it was going to be Raphael, who's my favorite. And it ended up being Donatello. Oh, no, um, not Donatello. So I, was like, so, so I was like, you know, I, I was very happy, but I was also like, it wasn't really the guy that I wanted. This isn't how I fell off into Turtles, but there was an extended period where I did not engage with the franchise because I was really into that and He-Man. And one day I um, was at school or a camp or some something where like I'm congregating other kids and I decided we just decided to play Ninja Turtles with one of my friends. Uh, the only problem was I didn't tell him that. <laughs> so it seemed to him like I just started kicking him. Uh, and so I was grounded from the shows that were considered maybe more violent. They were making me act out <laughs> for a little while. So that's a little informed lore. consent, Matt. Informed yeah, that's consent. a little lore for you about me. So let's get into this comic, because as I, I said up top, I I unabashedly love this comic. I was really excited when uh, when we talked about this, you agreed that we could do this one because <laughs> I remember really enjoying it when it came out. And like I, maybe I had pandemic goggles on lockdown goggles, whatever you would want to call it, because as we mentioned it, like half of the the later half of the sh- series came out during lockdown. Yeah, the early days of the pandemic. Yeah. And so like maybe it was just a comfort food, whereas like these are things I love. I don't really care about the quality. They're coming together. But I got to say, upon a re uh, a reread, 
it is every checkbox I could even have for a franchise like this. It, it's Saturday morning goodness. Yeah. And I mean, you know, like I, I had never read it before and, you know, I don't dislike these franchises, but like I said, I'm not like someone who, it's not, it's not the thing that I would like immediately go to. Right. But it is kind of like everything you kind of want from a crossover like this in a fan servicey way, but not like in an overly fan servicey way. Right. Where it's like, you know, there's an interesting story, interesting reason for these characters to meet up. The the setup kind of begs the question, oh, what if the turtles were Power Rangers? Well, that happens in this. Oh, yeah. what if the, the the Rangers were basically ninjas? This That happens in this. Shredder becomes mm-hmm. a Power Ranger at one point. You know, like... That we're Shredder really, we're mixing, is so good. Yeah, yeah. We're throwing we're throwing the, the toys together. Like, the story opens with... And it doesn't, you know, waste a bunch of time either. Like, the setup mm-hmm. is these guys just happen to coexist in the same world. We're not having to, like... Oh, they fell into a portal. We're not cr- multiversing, crossing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's no like straining to figure out why these guys are here. It's just the Power Rangers live in a fictional California city, and across the country in New York, also the Power Rangers are there. So it sets up with like, where's Tommy? Oh, he's in New York doing Ninja Turtle stuff, and that leads to them eventually coming together and fighting and then teaming up, which is like the classic setup of this kind of thing. Yeah, and I, I absolutely love the fact that they Ryan Parrott just went, they exist in the same world. I'm not going to create some bullshit like dimensional crossover thing, which if we talk about Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Justice League crossover, maybe that's something we get into. But well, I think I think it lends itself more to. Yeah, I think I think the Justice League one, I haven't read it, but that's when I think you have to explain more. Right. Yeah. Like, the DC yeah. universe is this whole cosmology where like everything is kind of accounted for to some mm-hmm. degree. We're like, this is like. It's like, yeah, the, the turtles, turtles just exist. Talk, yeah, they never talk about what's going on in California. They live in New York, vice versa, yeah, right? Exactly. And the turtles uh, uh, operate in the shadows. They operate in, in secret and silence. Their motto is like, if you get seen, you get killed or something to that effect. Uh, so like they they just don't have to acknowledge each other in a sense that it's like, oh, man, the Ninja Turtles, we've heard about you. Oh, the Power Rangers, we know all about you. Although there is that moment like there's a. I have it pulled up right now. There's a single page spread in issue two after the turtles and the Rangers kind of come to an understanding. The the Rangers reveal their identities and the turtle like, oh, my God, they're teenagers, too. Holy cow. Cool. And they they all end up in, in the turtles lair. And my two favorites, uh, which I know I, I made a joke about it earlier, but even as a kid, like Donatello was my favorite. I don't know why I love the bow staff just being able to manipulate that thing and twirl it around as like that's cooler than swords i don't care if it's just made of wood <laughs> um and then as i've gotten older billy has become my favorite power ranger and these two are just having a moment where uh <laughs> tawny is just like you want to see my robot speaking yeah. of metalhead and billy's like oh yeah i saw that that's cool we have a robot too his name's alpha and he's <laughs> like oh uh what are you working on i'm working on a geiger counter to, so we can try and find tommy oh cool i can I can maybe help you with that. Billy's like, I got it. He's like, oh, we, we got a blimp. I, I made a shrink ray. I did this. It's like Donnie's just trying to show off and Billy's just very nonchalant. He's like, I'm doing my work, man. Like, I've got this. I've seen that. And then uh, Donnie says something that like piques Billy's interest, like a rocket powered skateboard. And Billy's just like, ooh, there's an idea. I could use one of those in Angel Grove. And then uh, they they just keep bonding to the point where Donatello's like, you let me uh, test drive one of the Zords. And <laughs> it's just such a good moment between two characters who are nerdy in, in like a tech sense, but 
but they have like this or at least donatello uh is established to have like a fandom of the power rangers and so like he's trying to create this common ground it's like meeting a celebrity you're like oh you like french fries i love french fries you have oh man <laughs> look at all the things we have in common and well, yeah, it's, it's go ahead yeah finish your thought yeah uh, yeah it, it's just really sweet sincere and it it care it it nails the characterizations of both these these characters that i really love and uh it's just it, it, like I said, it, it it hits me in that marshmallowy Saturday morning goodness. Yeah, and it's full of moments like that. Like those are characters that make sense because they're like they're analogs to each other, right? They're like you know, lot most teams or lots of teams have like the the, the nerdy dork, right? They're the nerdy smart guy who's like good with gizmos. So we're throwing them together and seeing what happens. You know, you've got some stuff with April O'Neil and uh, Kimberly, right? Where they're like yep. they're spending a lot of the story together for various reasons. Um, Zach and Michelangelo get thrown together, which seems like an odd pairing or like one that they're just kind of like, okay, whatever. Yeah. But like they, the they do a, they do a good job of making them relatable. Yeah. And maybe that has more to do with, you know, I've read some of those Power Rangers comics, but maybe that, maybe that's some characterization from that, that uh, Parrot is drawing off of, but you know, like Jason and Leonardo as the leaders are sort of bonding over like fighting styles and stuff. And, you know, Tommy and Tommy and Raph, Raph have their yeah, thing. they're like they're like sort of the hothead wild cards, right? So like they go head to head a couple times. The story ends with them like uh, it's time for a rematch, buddy, and that's like their freeze frame moment. Mm-hmm. Trini does get a little short changed in this one, though. Um, she yeah. seems to she has a couple of moments with Splinter because they're both kind of more like reserved, and I think they they just needed someone to let Trini bounce off of. So they're like, oh, we got no one else, so Shredder because she's not going to really relate to Casey Jones. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also full of those little like moments, too, where like the, you know, the I mean, this is this is reader error, possibly, but like the metalhead moment is just like, oh, there's like a, a cool little reference to a Turtles thing. Right. But it's also actually it's a little bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, it's a Chekhov's gun because later in the thing when it's like, oh, what's what would the Turtles Zord be? Oh, it's a giant metalhead, you know, so mm-hmm. it's like there you're throwing some seeds out there to to sprout later. Yeah. And all those seeds are laid out in that one page that I was talking about where they talk about the shrink ray and metalhead. It, it's all right there on one yeah. page that pays off at the end of issue four. Yeah. And you mentioned the um, the thing about the test drive, which I forgot about, but like down later in the series, for various reasons, the Power Rangers can't morph anymore. So the, the turtles kind of take on that role temporarily. So then there's a reference to like the test drive thing when they're like pulling out the Zords and stuff and figuring that out. You know, it is just a neat little story where you're like, what what are the what are the things that would be fun and interesting to see as with this kind of crossover? And how can we build a story around it that's also, you know, entertaining and can sustain a few issues? One other thing, again, I, I could just gush about all the nerdy stuff in this Um I, I really enjoyed like Zach and uh, this is all an issue too, as well that I'm gushing over. I think that's probably the most fan service episode where they, they do a good job of advancing the story, but they also go like, look at all these things, these characters get along with and how, how well they get along and how much they like each other. Like uh, Zach, there's a really great transition where um, Trini and Raphael are having a moment where they're both like, oh, you have size, I got size, or I got daggers, you got size. They're kind of the same thing. And Raph says, and if they ever do, they usually run away screaming. And then you see a, a thought bubble from off screen going, oh, man, that's tough. 
you're thinking like, oh, what's going on? And it's Zach and Mikey having a conversation. And Zach says, I guess pepperoni, sausage, and garlic. They're talking about like their favorite pizza toppings. Yeah. And then uh, Zach also mentions that he likes pineapple. And Mikey goes, oh, pineapple on pizza? Gross, dude. And then he goes on to say that his favorite toppings are jelly beans, onions, and butterscotch. <laughs> yeah, like the, there's a couple of like jokey kids fantasy pizzas that are referenced. 201, they are odious. <laughs> And you know what? Pineapple on pizza is pretty good. Sorry, I'm, I'll say it. I'll say it. <laughs> uh, I'll to each their own. I'm I'm the kind of person who will put ketchup on a hot dog or a brat. So like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna poo poo on anyone because I know there are foodie purists out there that are what is tarn feather me if they yeah, could because I put ketchup on a hot dog. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, I'd send foot in Chicago with that. <laughs> exactly. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about the story here because uh, the main premise of getting the turtles. Or the yeah, the turtles and the rangers together is that Tommy is in New York looking for a friend of his who has joined the Foot Clan, and Tommy's just kind of he's Tommy, so he's amazing at everything he does, and uh, he rises up the ranks of the Foot. He gets brought in to do a job to steal some kind of MacGuffin uh, that never really it's not that important to the plot, but it does serve a purpose. Uh, but he reveals that he's a Power Ranger, and Shredder had like his. Uh, suspicions because Tommy's friend turned on him and that leads to Shredder stealing Tommy's power morpher and Shredder becomes the Green Ranger. Rita is like, oh, I sense that someone else has used my power coin. So let's see what's going on here. And Rita and Shredder decide that they have uh, mutually beneficial goals and Power Ranger slash Turtle Havoc ensues. Yeah, I think at every at every point, you know, it's it's doing the classic superhero team up thing, right? Where we, we meet, there's a misunderstanding, we fight and then we team up and that's, you know, Rita and Shredder do that too, where there's a whole sequence where they're like trying to kill each other. And then they realize, Oh, we still hate each other, but if we work together, we can fight them. And there's like, lots we of can nice defeat our common enemy. And they even, they even come to the mutual understanding of, with the idea that they will eventually pick up their fight where they left off and, eventually just kill someone will kill one some one of them yeah and you're seeing like interactions with like the you know again it's sort of we're seeing the analogs kind of interact right where like rita's little cadre of freaks is hanging out with bebop and rocksteady and um you know we're seeing the putties and the foot clan soldiers in the mix and then later down the line one of the things they do is like oh here's some soldiers that they're putty foot clan guys yeah, they're putty foot hybrids and they, they go a little rogue, which is what helps turn the tide in the battle because Tommy's able to look at his friend and be like, look at these guys. These this is not who you want to be. And they clearly don't care about you. So you're going to stick with the mindless zombies or you're going to come with me, someone who claims to th that they care about you, which that story. I, I That's like the human element of all of this, because like Tommy really pushes Tommy loses his morpher for four of the five issues yeah if um memory serves i never knew that tommy was adopted i'm not sure i knew that either yeah so the series series reveals that information as well at least for someone like me who dropped off at some point when they decided to add a little bit more characterization to these uh archetypes yeah well and it's so weird too where like for a lot of like this time period of the show that they're kind of set in right where there is a green ranger this tommy's like a guy who shows up occasionally like there's the big arc right that introduces him 
and then it's like, oh, well, he's he's just kind of a part-timer where sometimes he's around and then sometimes he's not. And it's not until the White Ranger season that he's like a full-timer, like he's the leader of the thing. Yeah, if I remember, which this is this is going deep into my Power Rangers knowledge, uh, Super Sentai, the Green Ranger and the Red Ranger were actually brothers in that series and the Green Ranger died. So they had like no extra footage of the Green Ranger for going forward. So they were like, OK, well, Tommy's done. And then like obviously merchandising took off because the Green Ranger has like the coolest design ever. Yeah. And so they're like, well, we got to find a way to bring him back. And so they had to create all new footage to be able to bring him back, which is why the shield looks different, too, is the original shield was made out of like fiberglass and broken shipment. And they had to just make one. So they just like sewed a bunch of cotton together on, on, with a <laughs> gold fabric. Um, but I, I really enjoyed that the the turtles were largely autonomous or not the turtles. The Rangers were largely autonomous in this as well. Like Zordon and Alpha help out a little bit but they're not a key factor in like what turns the tide. Like Zordon does his little speech uh, when the Zord, the Megazord is happening and they bring the whole thing together with the giant metal head. Um, but for the most part, Zordon and Alpha don't play a huge role. And I, I kind of like that because it just shows that even as teenagers, these, tur- these Power Rangers are formidable and they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. And that kind of comports with, um, you know, we I think we both have read at least the first couple of years of that of this reboot that we were talking about, the 2016 um, Boom Studios run. Yeah. And, you know, at the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers as a show is very formulaic where like the characters are very stock. And then sometimes there's an issue that relates to one of their primary personality traits. But it's like we have to get we you know, we have to justify something where we're running the footage of them fighting the guy in the putties and like then we're run, fight, running the footage of the Megazord coming in. Right. Or like one of the things I think that a comic like this gives you the opportunity to do is like expand them as like actual characters. Right. And do things that like, for whatever reason, whether it's because they didn't have that footage to pull from a super Sentai show or we didn't have the sets or the money or whatever else we just never got to. Like one of the things that I always think is interesting about this comic and then back to the boom studios books is like they you know every power ranger has a weapon that's associated with them right but in in the show it's so rare that they ever like actually use them for any real reason like usually it's usually in my memory it's just to do the thing where they combine into a big bazooka thing yeah they they got rid of it after season one because i i do i remember i bought the 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 sword set that they had where it came with the axe, the, the bow and everything, or I should say my parents bought it for me. <laughs> and that came out with season one and like all, all the merch that came out there. Yeah. But there was a big backlash uh, from parents of like the show was too violent. Matt's kicking too many kids <laughs> <laughs> um, where, so they, they ended up cutting footage to reduce uh, the use of those weapons. Cause like, if you go back and watch those episodes, when they're using the Super Sentai footage, you can see moments where like Jason or Trini or like they're using uh, quick clips of like, oh, Billy's got his bow staff with the power staff or power power lance. That's what he has. But like he's, he, had, he hadn't pulled it out 
prior, but because they needed this action spot with the power lance, he's going to have it here because that's that's what fits it best. So yeah, yeah, and it's it's and again, at least in my memory, they don't stick out as weapons that they use, right? I'm sure there's shots of like Jason cutting down a putty with his sword or something, right? But it's oh, yeah, a I'm thing sure. that you see very often where like here, every, every almost every shot where they're like about to go into action or they're jumping into the fray, they all have their weapons, right? Where it's the thing where it's like Power Rangers fundamentally is like Americans repurposing a bunch of Japanese, old Japanese TV footage mm-hmm. where like the comics here are like, okay, well, like what are the things that we can do with these pieces that are interesting and tells good stories and expands on the things that like sort of spark the imagination from the show. So I think, you know, all this is to your point about the, the Rangers sort of being autonomous. And I think that is in line with those boom comics in general, just in so far as like the characters, they're like more interested in like the characterization of the Rangers as opposed to, all right, Jason's mad about a tournament and <laughs> you know, there's a bully and, that relates they can to fit, the big, big they can fit yeah. more character stuff into a, a long form storytelling device as well. Yeah, because, yeah. yeah, and that's one thing Kyle Higgins, when he rebooted the series or when he, he launched the series, really, he had mentioned that he wanted to bring these characters into the modern day in a way that we we remember how we feel we remember they were or how they sure. we feel they were. We remember they made us feel so like the the archetypes are still foundational from the series, but they've just expanded them into fully fleshed out characters and not just like, this is Jason. He likes karate and he's the leader and this is Trini and she likes Kung Fu and she is very calm and serene. And here's yeah. Billy. He's a nerd. Like they're, they're actual people now in, in the comics and the Ryan Parrott just did a, a phenomenal job, more phenomenal to yeah. turn a phrase um, and to like, talk about like the weapons uh the first time the turtles morph which again they don't waste time at the end of issue three billy's like i have an idea and you see the guy the turtles and april holding the the morphers and then by like page three of the next issue they're morphed which like again full fanboy moment i can hear leonardo say it's morphin time and i love the (laughs) fact that like they nerd out about it before they say it too because like there's a good characterization moment too where Raph is talking to Leo and he's like, I don't like fighting out in the open. We're going to be power Rangers. We're going to be covered up. People won't really know. And then uh, Mikey says, dude, you got to say the thing. <laughs> and <laughs> the, Like, come on, do we really? And he's like, okay, how often are we going to really have this chance? And then he says it's morphin time, which again, the art by Simone DeMio, just fantastic. Like I, I feel that page. I feel that panel where Leo says it's morphin time and then you see them do their call out. And then the costume design of the turtles as power Rangers, I think is really good too. Um, they don't have like the, the classic like diamond with the like pa- half patterns going out. It's just one diamond in the middle. And then their shells are kind of pseudo green ranger shields in a way. Yeah. But like, it just, it works. You see it and you're like, yeah, that's, that's, that's what it should be. Yeah, and it's fun the way they think through who's going to be which color, too, because it's like they are associated with the color more than like the role, right? Where like Leonardo is the Blue Ranger because yeah. he's the blue one, but, you know, Raphael is red because he's red, but the Red Ranger is the leader. So it's like, um, I'm pretty sure there's even a joke about that, but it's like they're thinking through like what, you know, the turtles are associated with the color more than anything else. So like, what's the color of this set that makes sense with like Michelangelo? I think he's yellow. And then... 
you know, Donatello is black mostly because that's there's no real equivalent to the purple. And then April O'Neil is pink because, well, she's the girl, right? That's, <laughs> yeah, that's how Power Rangers works. Yeah, and I, I do like that at the end of the, the the event, April's like, hey, and yeah, I look great in pink. Yeah. But um, yeah, they I like that they call out Raph for having to still be red. And they're like, Raph, can you drive the Zords? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, well, you yeah, but red, yeah, so. the red one is the, the guy that drives. He's, he's the driver. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of the uh, the Ninja Ranger look that they gave the uh, depowered uh, Power Ranger crew? It was neat. You know, I watched I watched long enough to um, be kind of checking in and out when they were like the Ninja Rangers were actually like part of the show actually that originates in that first movie right which i definitely saw yeah we yeah and we've had this discussion before the technically the movie is its own right space right, right. but, yeah, but and like, then they, they do that they do that origin again but that they do that with the ninja character instead of the sexy he-man lady yeah but either way like yeah they there's the thing where like they have the half transformation or whatever where it's like we morph into ninjas and then we morph into Power Rangers. Anyway, so I, I don't know if this, it, it, I was reminded of that. I don't know how much they're mm-hmm. like specifically echoing that uh, because I don't think most of those characters are around at the time when they are Ninja Rangers. A couple of them are, I think. I guess the first movie is mostly the original cast, right? Uh, no, actually, uh, Jason, Zach, and Trini would all be replaced by the time the movie came around. Um, I actually talked to Austin St. John about that when I met him at a Comic-Con of many years back now. Um, He was actually he and uh, Walter Jones and Tui Trang were all contracted to be in the movie, but they wanted to get paid more. Sure. And that's why they got replaced. Yeah, because it's yeah, it was the biggest thing in the world. And I'm sure they were getting paid nothing (laughs) because they were nobody actors (laughs) and then. Yeah. And among other things, like one of the things that uh, Saban does to keep the cost down is that they use non-union actors. Yeah. Yep. I believe so, that. Absolutely. I mean, that you you can kind of gather that from the acting skill. But yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I found all of that really interesting that it, it makes perfect sense. And like in non-strike times, like businesses can do whatever they want to do. But it is yeah. kind of it does kind of suck that they they take advantage of these young actors who are trying to make it big, but then they, they can't get out of a contract because they don't have a union backing them. Again, I'm sure it's a thing, and you know, we're getting in kind of the weeds, but I don't trust Saban and entertainment rest in peace. Maybe I don't know if it's still around, but you know, I'm sure some, whatever they were getting paid probably seems more reasonable when it's like, it's your first gig. It's just a kid's show. This is then then on to the next thing. Right. And then it becomes this phenomenon where like no way they're getting cuts of the merch no way like you know so it makes sense that they'll be like hey you know we should get paid more because we are you know making the show happen and then unfortunately you know as opposed to something like friends where they they have leverage to like get paid a million dollars an episode or something you know the guy who getting his first gig filming in a juice bar <laughs> on Fox kids TV. It doesn't have that uh, leverage probably. Yeah. Uh, Saban films is still around or Saban brands is still around as uh, they, they've moved on to becoming like a, a film production company. Uh, they have one movie coming out that I was surprised that they were associated with, but I can't remember what it is. I think it might've been safe house, but like a lot of these look like they're really bad straight to home video, straight to streaming kind of 
movies. I'm not going to go too deep into the weeds because they don't need any extra <laughs> yeah, right. money. The Ninja the Ninja Rangers stuff was cool just because it's it's a nice kind of it's it's sort of the, the opposite side of the coin as the Turtle Rangers stuff where it's like, oh, we yeah. we're, we're one of the fun things we're doing when we're banging the action figures together is, oh, we're switching roles. So like they're slinking in the shadows. They're also figuring out, oh, we, we can do all this stuff without the superpowers or whatever whatever happens to them when they morph right where it's like it's just us we don't have these special abilities we can still do our fun karate because we all hang out in the juice bar all day and you know do you know hip-hop <laughs> hip-hop kicks keto. or or whatever zach did his hip-hop keto <laughs> certainly problematic <laughs> created by uh, sir walter jones himself yeah yeah so like i i know we with other series, we tend to talk about like the ramifications, but this is very much self-contained. There's not a huge ripple effect. It did create a sequel, which from what I can, un from what I've seen, and maybe we'll discuss it if we ever get into uh, TMNT 2, uh, Marty Moore from TMNT 2, there, there clearly is a setup for a third one. Because when I finished this one, I was like, I thought they teased something at the end of this, which like there's a tease at the end of this where they're Rita and Shredder, uh, Rita betrays shredder and shredder takes her to dimension x and that's yeah, the, the setup guy's for gonna the lay, sequel yeah. yeah yeah and rita's gonna work with krang and his people i forget what they're called but um it 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 does it does the saturday morning thing where the the heroes win the bad guys get away no one technically dies although like <laughs> there is a lot of a lot of like civil war levels of destruction of new york in this uh final two yeah, final two issues there's a bunch of big giant guys walking like destroying central park basically like the last fight is like the tech bebop rocksteady and of... goldar i think are all massive they get yeah. grown yeah and the yeah the techno drone like comes out of the middle of central park and then the, the zord shows up and then giant metalhead shows up and they're you know almost certainly people are getting trampled oh yeah <laughs> underneath yeah I'm, I'm curious you know again i'm not well-versed in these comic runs i you know this this miniseries i've never read the, the ongoing idw tmnt book i had jumped we had i think i had fallen off the, the power rangers book by this point uh when this comes out um but I, i'm curious to know like how much if at all it ties into you know if these are ex assumed to like fall into some kind of continuity with those or if it's you know the kind of thing where you know i don't know there's a tmnt batman crossover right where like i'm mm -hmm. not assuming that between issues of batman he's hanging out with the ninja turtles i'm just it's sort of its own <laughs> thing right yeah um, um so from from what i have inferred uh they do make reference to tommy being in an alternate dimension fighting a different version of himself which is a reference to the shattered grid event yeah, uh, which I believe kicked off on like issue thirty-five of the yeah. Morphin Power Rangers run. Yeah, uh, and that ran through, through issue fifty, I believe, or like issue forty-eight, and then Kyle Higgins ended his run at issue fifty. Um, so like they referenced that, so it clearly takes place after the uh, Shattered Grid event. But Ryan Parrott did say uh, in interviews that he he left the the time frame a little loose because he he did want this to be approachable. So sure. like th there is like that one reference to Shattered Grid, but everything else just kind of this could have been immediately after uh, the episode where Trini overcomes her fear of heights. Right. And 
they can go on from there essentially. Yeah. One of the, maybe one of those things where like, you know, any, any given like tie in novel to a TV show where like, maybe it's canon until we like direct, until a show directly contradicts it. Right. Where, yeah, you know, if it's not, if nobody is, if nobody in the, the main comic is saying, Oh, we've, one thing that's never happened to us is meeting and hanging out with giant turtles. Then you can kind of mentally slot it in wherever you want or discard it if you want, you know, as like sort of your own personal canon. Like I can jive yeah. with that. Yeah. And I, I do think there is a place for these kind of, for lack of a better word, one-off or like hidden series within a continuity of a show that kind of just gets folded over because it's not important to an overall story arc. Yeah. Um, cause like, I remember in the nineties, uh, we're going off on a big tangent here, but there was like, a, I remember that my cousins had a Superman versus the Xenomorph comic, uh, which I need to see if that's on a DC universe. That's when I've been meaning to go back to see how bad that not. is. The, the people who own the Xenomorphs now are. Oh, that's true. Disney, so almost <laughs> certainly not. <laughs> but I mean, well, that probably would have been published by DC or maybe they, maybe it was published independently with like DC's approval. Cause I do remember it being pretty gory. Maybe who knows? Like those are the, the rights of those are weird. Where like, you know, there was, this is why we have whole, Google. I can look it up real quick. There was a whole mini series where DC and Marvel finally fought each other and then merged with each other for a while. Oh yeah. Amalgam comics has uh, become a huge thing in the podcasting landscape. Like I can't go too far in, uh, in our Twitter scape right now without seeing someone talking about uh amalgam comics yeah and i can guarantee those books are not on either of the two apps because it's all i'm sure it's all weird legal ownership hell yeah it's published by dark horse so it probably wouldn't be on dc universe yeah yeah and i would bet that warner brothers wouldn't play nice to let marvel republish it either but they have i think they have published like, you know, they've republished like Dark Horse Star Wars books and stuff like that. So I'm sure some of those Aliens comics have been republished, but probably not that one. <laughs> written by Dan Jurgens and Chuck Dixon with Dan art Jurgens. by Dan with art by Dan Jurgens and John Bog Bogdanov. Yep. The man who killed Superman himself, Dan Jurgens. Well, one of them, but yeah. I mean, he does have the, the Superman uh, Returns mullet. Yeah, would have been probably about that time. 1995 let's i know we're, we're we're way off topic here but now i'm just curious that's a bygone era though where like you know people made a big deal about marvel and D marvel versus dc but it was like that was a that was the time where they did that shit all the time where it was just like oh spider-man and batman hanging out or daredevil and superman or whatever else where it was just like so much easier for somebody at marvel to call someone at dc and be like hey you want to do a book and now it's like <laughs> Oh, we're all owned by these like massive conglomerates. And, you know, Ike Perlmutter mm -hmm. is not going to let anyone use Spider-Man in a comic that might sell for DC comics or whatever. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's that's kind of where, uh, from what I understand, the, the writer strike was at a big standstill because uh, I think it was um, who's the Amazon guy? Uh, Bezos, uh, right? Unless I'm thinking of another Amazon guy. Uh, maybe it was Bezos or yeah, I think it was Bezos, uh, Bezos and, um, uh, Warner brothers, HBO guy, um, David Zaslav. Yeah. So th those two destroyed those, the HBO brand. Yeah. Uh, well, those two apparently were playing real hardball with the, uh, the writers. And I, from what I understand, they're also playing real hard with the, uh, 
the actors. And because those two were not willing to budge on certain negotiation points, like, or at least they were trying to stand still and break the writer's union into a, a submission hold. They they weren't willing to to budge on certain streaming uh, things, uh, which I, I still haven't looked through or found like a, a good breakdown of the writer's strike deal or the writer's deal. Um, I, I believe they're supposed to be releasing pr- publicly releasing accurate uh, viewing numbers now, instead of being like, Red Notice is the most watched thing ever on Netflix, but we're also broke. I don't know if they are going to publicly release them or I know that like. First thing, you know, the writer's strike, huge success, like from what I also have not read the actual deal, but, you know, from all accounts, from like writers, from people who who I follow that I trust about this. Every single thing that they said, this is not negotiable, you're never going to get this they got every single one like huge win for the writers but i don't i i want to say and again i've not read the actual deal but i want to say it's not like a thing where netflix will publish its numbers in variety like abc will publish like their um you know their ratings or whatever but i think there is a way in which it's like there are statistic based residuals that someone who is not just like some bean counter at Netflix gets to see and they're like then calculating what people get paid based on that. Um, but I could be wrong about that. It's possible that they're going to say, you know, put out numbers every yeah, um, month or something, but I don't think so. One person I would recommend following on Lonnie's platform. If you haven't found a, uh, if you haven't found like a good source for the writer's strike um, scripts by James, it spelled out as it sounds. It's the full words. Uh, he's someone I found on Twitter a while ago. He's a uh, a really good follow. He he's, he seems like a genuinely good dude, and uh, he's got a, a Disney Plus animated or Disney Plus uh, nope, just a Disney show animated feature or animated show that he's working on called Haley's on it. Um, but I he he had a really good breakdown. It was very long, but is really good. Um, and he he basically echoed the same sentiments that they said we wouldn't get it we got it yep it's also so funny like i know we're i know our way in the weeds here but you know this the writer's strike went on for five months and it was just just constant chicanery by the studios where like they're lowballing the writers they are like doing the thing where they say you know, we want to meet and we're going to do a media blackout and then they turn around and like give some bullshit to the Hollywood reporter immediately. Right. We're just like, just out in the open. They're going on record and saying like, the goal is for these people to start losing their houses and then they'll come to the table, like just the most craven stuff that everyone can see. And then they turn around and do it again to the actors. Like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't even 2007. Like, information is so readily available and like the facts can be found so quickly that they, they have no legs to stand on even when they get mouthpieces like the Hollywood reporter, the New York times, whatever to badmouth the unions. Yeah. And you would think like, okay, we really want to get back to work. We gave them this deal. They would just like, you know, it seems weird that they're then again in the position of like trying to lowball the actors even though 
it's just such a so funny that they think they've okay we fucked this one up but we we'll get the next one and then they continue. yeah and the, the funny again. the really funny thing is is that they keep releasing these stats of like we're losing 400 million dollars this month when it would cost them like 80 million dollars extra on top of what they've already been paying the actors to get the deal done like yeah, it's not that much yeah. extra money but they're like no because long-term yeah. gains whatever blah 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 but 400 million today compared to 400 million spread out over what seven eight years yeah they're losing more money than it would take to just sign on to everything that they they're, they're that are being asked and it, it's such a funny you know i i know we're way out out here now but yeah well, the- <laughs> we're in this we're in this moment where like the strikes are happening like video games are seeing like it's a bloodbath where like studios are laying people off constantly and like talking about the economy and whatever else sales and it's it's so funny that it's like oh we need to cut all these jobs we're losing so much money how much are you making at the top buddy mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, I'm sure your, I guess, your billion dollar paycheck is protected, but who's gonna make all the shit you sell? Yep, and we can go on and on about this. Like, this is something that you and I both like, kind of live forward to talk about. But this isn't the podcast for that. But <laughs> uh, Power Rangers TMNT, I I cannot recommend this comic enough. If you have a love for either or both of these franchises, I I cannot again recommended enough ryan parrot i think hits it out of the park it hits the ground running it does all the things you want it to do and more um, yeah i don't know mo- that i'm very familiar with ryan parrot before this like it's a name that i recognize but i don't know if i have actually read knowingly read anything by him and you know i may have to see what else he's written and see if anything um jumps out because this is you know again i wasn't sure how this was going to hit me just because you know, for the millionth time, I have an appreciation for these franchises, but they're things that I kind of left behind as a kid. Um, so I was not like, oh, yeah, Power Rangers and TMNT. I love those dudes. I was like, oh, yeah, I'll read it and I'll see how it hits me. And I, you know, for, for what it is, it's a, it's not as like huge as the other comics we talked about, like I mentioned. But it was, yeah. it was a good time. It was fun. It looks good. It is a breezy, fun read. Um so I think I'm going to have to look up Ryan Parrott and see if anything else he's written has, you know, sounds good. Yeah, he uh, he's at, at some point, I think, is around like issue 10 or 12 of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers run that Kyle Higgins had. They created a second book that was called Power Rangers. And then there was Mighty Morphin and it was all building up toward the two books were both building up towards uh, Shattered Grid. The Mighty Morphin series was like post Green Ranger power rangers so like tommy was part of the team and then the the power rangers team was like everything pre-tommy building up towards a, uh the shattered grid story and beyond right uh, well, yeah, Ryan I, was I, laying a lot of a lot of groundwork with that i have and then he took over that. yeah and then he took over the the mainline power rangers run when kyle higgins ended his run yeah so i've read some stuff by him that might be where i remember recognize his name because um I've and he also He's also part series. of the massive verse. He's writing the Rogue Sun series. Oh yeah, I I have bought a bunch of those issues, but have not actually found the time to read them yet. So Ryan, Parrott it's good is, stuff. Is a uh, in Ryan Parrott is the background radiation of my life, and I didn't realize it. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, I, one one issue that uh, when you get to it, if you find the time, I think it's Rogue Sun seven or nine. It's a choose your own adventure issue. Oh, that's exciting! That's I need cool. you to tell me. I need you to tell me how you get through it because <laughs> I. I think it took me about 35 minutes to read that issue. It usually takes me about 15, 20 minutes to read a, a regular comic issue, but it took me about 35 with that one because I kept looping with this yeah. gimmick and it was so fun. And by the time I figured it out, I was like, oh, you son of a bitch. Oh, I've read, uh, he's done some DC stuff. I've read um, a couple of these things. So yeah, I've read a bunch of his stuff without realizing it. Um, sorry, Ryan Parrott for not taking. Oh, notes. he's, he's done some Star Trek stuff too. Oh, I didn't know that. Now I'll have to take a look at that. Yeah. And then, um, the, I mean, the Star Trek time makes sense a little bit because uh, if you go back and listen to our massive month episode um, with Kyle Higgins, apparently he was working at Bad Robot. Ryan Parrott was working at Bad Robot in the early 2010s. So like him having a tie to. Yeah, I see that he was an assistant to J.J. J. Abrams on star trek into darkness which i won't hold against him <laughs> he probably tried to tell jj it was a bad idea i'm i'm, I'm gonna go on out of the limb and say that yeah let's let's All give right. the benefit of that doubt so uh let, let's start wrapping up matt thanks so much for taking the time to be here and reading this comic with me yeah always happy to be here and most importantly, thanks everyone so much for listening. And again, if you haven't, let's go back and please listen to our massive month episodes. The Infernal Girl Red Kickstarter got funded. All right. So raise the roof for that. Thank you to everyone who listens and funded that. Uh, please don't forget to join our Discord. Matt, please tell everyone about the Discord. Yeah, Discord is our cool little chat room where we um, hang out and chat about all this stuff like this basically all the time. If you like this, it's basically what we do over there, but in text form, up to and including my long-winded, extremely verbose rants. It's a good time. Come hang out with us. Yeah, don't, again, don't forget to join the Discord. You can follow us on all of the social media platforms at Talking Smack Pod on Blue Sky, Instagram, Threads, Hive Social, Post News, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and Lonnie's website. Email us any comic suggestions, movie reviews, thoughts, questions, concerns at tsmackpod at gmail.com. Thank you to Leo Allen for our musical themes that you're hearing right now. Please like, subscribe, rate, review. And again, most importantly, thank you so much for listening. Take care, and we will see you next week when we have the Video Game Club on to educate me on the lore of Five Nights at Freddy's. I see you next week. So sorry. <laughs>